Hi, I'm Gary, and this is episode 175 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking in a little more detail at destination charging. This season of the podcast is sponsored by ZapMap the free-to-download app that helps EV drivers search, plan, and pay for their charging. Before we start, I wanted to let you know that uh, following some excellent discussions at Fully Charged Live North and South, I have a plethora, word of the day, of guests lined up for the end of this season and the start of next season, including someone I've been trying to get on the podcast since season two. Be patient and stay tuned. Our main topic of discussion today is destination charging. It was announced recently that Raw Charging, a company which primarily focuses on AC charging, has signed a deal with the National Trust to install destination chargers at suitable National Trust locations. I posted this on social media alongside the words, this is the secret source of EV adoption. Today, I want to talk a little bit more about that. There's lots of headline news about infrastructure issues in the UK. As mentioned on numerous episodes of this podcast, most of these headlines come from journalists who don't know EVs and don't understand charging infrastructure. The other key factor they all have in common is that they're generally looking at rapid and ultra-rapid charging. That is, they're focused on the large DC tethered chargers similar to those that you find in the big charging hubs such as Stroud Park in Banbury or the electric forecourts in Braintree or Norwich. But the issue with these is that they're the squeaky wheel when it comes to charging. They're the shiny new chargers, the ones that are expensive, that have lots of facilities around them, canopies, coffee shops, etc. The ones that attract the attention of the press. And there's nothing wrong with them. But these are not the ones on which we should be focusing. The greatest bang for the buck and the one that will move us towards EV adoption a lot quicker than anything else is destination charging. Now, we've talked about destination charging before on the podcast. Basically, it's any sort of AC charging which you can use at a location that isn't your house. Remember, the key statistic that needs to be considered when looking at destination charging, a typical car spends around 90% of its time stationary. This could be in a driveway, on a street, in a car park, or at work. This parked time needs to be leveraged. I've often said that with the right AC charging, you can head out for an evening, park in town, plug in, go for a meal, watch a movie, Grab a late night drink, designated driver excluded, of course, and put more than enough charge into your car during that time to ensure that you don't need to charge to get home. In fact, if I look back at the majority of the charging I did when I had the 105 mile range Kia Soul, the only reason I needed to stop at a rapid charger on my way home was because there wasn't a destination charger where I'd left the car. If I went, for example, to Silverstone to see an early version of the fully charged live show, I could get there from my house without an issue, but I couldn't get back without having to stop for a rapid charge. Had the circuit had destination charging, I could have hung the car on the charger for two or three hours and left with enough in the battery to make it home without stopping for a rapid. Uh, Since I last visited Silverstone, by the way, they've installed the Papilio 3 Solar Canopy AC Charger Unit from guests of the podcast 3TI, giving 12 charge points. So the situation in Silverstone has changed a little bit. 
I've been doing some work recently at a well-known UK movie studio. The car park I use has 12 7 kilowatt charges installed there. I arrive early in the morning, hook up to the unit, leave it all day, and when I return, I've charged up enough that I can get home without a worry. Sure, that's not much of an issue with the range I have currently, but anyone with a smaller battery would certainly appreciate it. Anyone who goes to the Harry Potter studio tour at Warner Brothers Leavesden will know that they've got a long line of pod point chargers near the door there. Plug in when you arrive, and you don't need to charge on the way home. At the recent fully charged show in Farnborough, I know of several people who drove in from a reasonable distance away, found a rapid charger nearby, and topped up before going home. But if they'd had AC charging in the car park, which, to be fair, they did, but nowhere near enough for the volume of traffic, then those drivers wouldn't have needed the rapid charge. But what you need to do is to take this one step further. If a large number of cars are using destination charges to fill up while stationary, this means the number of cars needing to use a rapid charger on the way home will reduce. If the number of rapids needed reduces, it means that the queues at charges reduce. That means we don't need to add thousands of expensive units all over the country. And don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying we won't need many, many more charges than we currently have. But we can shift the balance from rapids to destination charges. We'll still need rapid charges, of course, but instead of needing hundreds of thousands, we might be able to get away with tens of thousands. Those people who regularly put in high mileage in their EVs, people like Cleveland EV Mobile and Lakes Electric Delivery Service, and some of the people working with the charge point operators managing and maintaining these units, will obviously need rapid charges to be able to do a full day's work. There's no getting around that. But a lot of people are charging because they've got to do a 300-mile round trip in one day, and their car will do 250 miles on a charge. That number will be reduced if they can leave the car plugged in for a couple of hours while they're at their destination. So where should these charges go? Well, the short answer is that they go anywhere someone was visiting and leaving their car for more than a few hours. If we adhere to the National Trust model, this means anywhere a tourist would go as opposed to a worker. So typical places we would expect to see destination charges in this case are, well, we talked about National Trust sites and other similar visitor locations such as English Heritage, who have 66 castles, 27 forts and defences, 23 historic gardens, and 53 Roman sites, for example. Centre park sites. Uh, yes, some have already got these. A uh, friend of the podcast, Andrew Till, has a great video about a trip to centre parks at Christmas, where he shows the ranks of charges at the one in Woburn. These need to go in at all centre park locations. Theme parks, places such as Alton Towers, Chester World of Adventures and Thorpe Park. These have huge car parks and a large power supply already, so adding in charges should be relatively simple. This seems to be something that's more widespread on the continent. I know that the Eftlingen theme park in Holland has a bunch of charges installed for visitors, for example. Sports venues, such as football or rugby grounds and motor racing circuits, there are 20 Premier League grounds across the country and another 24 championship venues. They're used, on average, once every two weeks throughout the season. They tend mostly to have large car parks nearby, especially those outside London, that would be perfect for charging either during a game or when the venue's not being used. The same for motor racing circuits such as the aforementioned Silverstone, Oomp Park, Brands Hatch, Rockingham, Stetterton. Park and ride locations. As usual, Oxford is leading the way with this. Their Redbridge Park and Ride is an example of great design 
with lots of AC chargers alongside Fastened Rapids and Tesla superchargers. But the other park and rides around Oxford are generally limited to a single BP Pulse unit, which is often not working. I do want to give a shout out here to Oxfordshire County Council and their decision to add easy chargers in all the council-run car parks across the county. They've put in between five and 10 AC chargers in each of their car parks. They're tethered, contactless, and really well thought out. York went for a park and ride charging hub last year and places such as Nottingham and Leicester have done similar. Specific tourist attractions such as Glastonbury, Wookie Hole and Stonehenge could benefit from these charges. Stonehenge especially has just had a new visitor centre and car park built and no public charging there at all. A couple of hours hooked up to a 7 or 11 kilowatt charger while you check out the stones in the visitor centre would add a nice chunk of miles back to your battery. What about typical tourist hotspots such as Blackpool, Blackpool Seafront, Great Yarmouth, Aviemore, for example? Imagine having a row of charges at the base of the Aviemore funicular. Park there in the morning, spend the day on the mountain, come back to a full battery. There's already a restaurant, several ski lifts and a funicular there, so getting power to the site isn't an issue, right? Or how about some of the coastal resorts in places such as North Wales? Or even the areas in mid-Wales where the visitors go, but the charging is poor? Places such as Bedgellet and Bettisicoet have very few charges where the expectation would be for something like at least half a dozen at a time. Or how about the Eden Project? Down in Cornwall, it already has a number of AC chargers installed, but for a site as popular as it is, having 20 mer chargers in just one car park is surely only a start. Given the large amount of parking there, it's only reasonable to expect more chargers to be installed, isn't it? A prime location, of course, for destination chargers has to be airport car parks. If you're going away for a week, the last thing you need to do is to have issues with your EV and charging on return. If airport long-term car parks had chargers, even if they were just three-pin sockets for granny chargers, this would make things a lot easier. If I check ZapMap, I see that Southampton has nine PodPoint chargers and Luton has six Tesla destination chargers. Gatwick only has four PodPoints. Bristol has 10 PodPoints. Newcastle has three CYC chargers, pause for laughter, in their car park. Edinburgh has 10 three-pin plugs in their car park. Aberdeen has six. Pod point, but Heathrow, busiest airport in the country and probably the world, has only four in the T4 Shorts Day car park, and none of the other airports have anything resembling a comprehensive AC charging offering. But mainly these should be going into places such as hotels, holiday inns, premier inns, travel lodges. I know a number of them already have rapid chargers in at these sites, and there is a case for having a rapid charger certain hotel locations. But for the majority of hotel sites, there should be a row of seven kilowatt chargers. That's all you need to charge overnight. An eight hour charge will give you approximately 56 kilowatt hours before charging losses, more than enough for the vast majority of electric vehicles on the road today. Include the price in the hotel bill or get a third party such as PodPoint to run them and charge accordingly. Either way, you're offering destination charging for your customers. I stayed at a hotel at the recent Fully Charged Live event in Harrogate. Lovely hotel, lots of parking, no charging. Even something like a granny charger would have been better than nothing. This becomes even more apparent when you're talking about places such as the north of Scotland or the middle of Wales. Having hotels there with destination charging could easily be a USP for many of them. I remember speaking to a chap at a trade conference last year. 
His company was developing a search engine that would only identify hotels with electric vehicle charges. There are hundreds, nay, thousands of people in the country who want to take their EVs with them on holiday and want to be able to charge overnight where they stay. Friend of the podcast, Sarah Sloman from Paythrough, even suggested including the charging in the room fee by adding an all-you-can-eat charging fee of, say, £10 per night to the bill. I could go for that, especially given the fact that overnight electricity is cheaper than daytime electricity using time-of-day tariffs. The fact is that there are literally hundreds and thousands of locations around the country where a bank of 7 kilowatt chargers would make a load of sense. As we know, AC chargers don't need such a big power draw from the grid to operate. If you want 11 kilowatt or 22 kilowatt charging, you're going to need a three-phase supply. But without that, you can easily get 7 kilowatt charging in a single phase. And that's enough for most people parking for more than, say, four hours. At the very minimum, new car parks being built should at least be cabled up for multiple destination charges. If a new hotel is built, the car park should be able to support a high proportion of parking slots with charges, even if they only physically install units at a relatively small number to begin with. As a side note, I'll be talking next season with a company that does these sort of charger installs. We discuss site design, cabling, ducting, and prepping for the future. Of course, we can't talk about destination charging without mentioning our good friends at Tesla. Once again, they pioneered the way to do things. They provided chargers at key destinations, usually higher-end hotels, to allow their drivers to charge overnight. What made them different is that they generally installed a couple of chargers at each site, one specifically for Teslas, and the other one was a standard Menikers connection. This allowed almost any EV to charge. When they first started with destination charging, the cost was covered by Tesla and or the destination themselves. I think most of them still are, although many places lock them to ensure they're only used by people who are guests of whatever venue they're attached to, and this stops freeloading. The downside to Tesla charging is that there are generally only one or two units at each location, which is good as a start, but needs scaling. Now, I've deliberately not talked about the big AC charging location that we should be focusing on 100%, which is on-street charging for those that can't charge at home. Now, I'm prepping an episode for next season where we talk to a couple of companies that provide that sort of a service, and we'll find out what the issues and opportunities are. But to summarize, AC destination charging is the secret source for EV adoption. There are hundreds and hundreds of prime locations where adding a bank of AC chargers would be a win-win scenario for everyone. More, cheaper AC chargers and fewer, expensive DC chargers. And that's the way we should be going. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with your listeners. Lithos Carbon, a new startup, is attacking the carbon capture market with a novel solution. Most carbon capture systems are energy intensive and technically complex, but Lithos Carbon is focusing on the land and a natural tool, basalt, or basalt, B-A-S-A-L-T. It's a black igneous rock that's common on volcanically active islands like Hawaii and Iceland. Lithos recycles existing basalt dust, a quarrying byproduct, and spreads it over cropland. When rainwater mixes with the dust, it triggers a chemical reaction that captures and locks up carbon dioxide as a bicarbon. On top of that, spreading it over cropland increases yields by as much as 47%. Lithos says it's on track to sequester 10,000 metric tons this year 
at a fraction of the cost of other methods that require pricey machines. I mean, that's nowhere near the volumes we need, which number in the billions, but it's a great start. Another one to keep an eye on. And now a word from our sponsors, ZapMap, on a new special offer on their premium product. Since 2014, ZapMap have been on a mission to make EV charging simple, helping you search for charge points and plan your electric journeys. With unrivaled charge point coverage, ZapMap gives you the widest choice of charging options in the UK. They launched a premium version of the app with the ambition of solving the key problems of the EV community, like planning charging whilst on the go, or finding reliable and available charging destinations quickly and easily. A premium subscription not only unlocks useful new filters to help you find the best charging options, filter by user ratings, for example, or locations with multiple de devices, but it also offers in-car support by integrating the ZapMap app into your vehicle's dashboard through Android Auto or Apple CarPlay. All this is, is designed to make charging when you're out and about in your EV as simple and stress-free as possible. With ZapMap on your in-car screen, you can see live status data for the charge points around you, access route plans, and link to navigation apps to get to your preferred chargers whilst on the go. Whether they're on route chargers, close to home, or at your destination, ZapMap Premium will help you stay charged wherever you go. ZapMap have currently got an offer on which is going to be very helpful as we head into the summer getaway period, with their annual premium subscription reduced to just $29.99 a year. That's more than a third cheaper. ZapMap are also continually speaking with their users about their needs and will be introducing a number of additional features throughout the year for both free and premium users. Now, just to note, this offer only applies to the premium annual version of the app and not the monthly version. So how do you get this offer? Well, if you've already got the ZapMap app, simply go to the subscription section in the settings and choose premium annual product. If you don't already have it, why not? Download ZapMap via your app store and follow the same process. Settings, subscription, then choose premium annual at its reduced price. Happy driving. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact me, I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at MusingsEV. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, please consider contributing to becoming an EV Musings patron. The link is in the show notes. Don't want to sign up for something on a monthly basis? If you enjoyed this episode, why not buy me a coffee? Go to coffee.com slash evmusings and you can do just that. ko-fi.com slash evmusings. Takes Apple Pay too. I have a couple of ebooks out there if you want something to read on your Kindle. So, you've gone electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. So, you've gone renewable. Is also available on Amazon for the same 99p, and it covers installing solar panels, a storage battery, and a heat pump. Why not check them out? Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. If you've reached this part of the podcast and are still listening, thank you. Why not let me know you got to this point by tweeting me at MusingCV with the words, the secret source of EV adoption. Hashtag, if you know, you know, nothing else. Thanks, as always, to my co-founder, Simon. You know, he's looking at starting a new venture in the world of photography. He's bought the gear, drones, GoPros, and all that. 
He's just trying to find a suitable project to take advantage of. Now he showed me his portfolio and it's crammed at the moment with photos of scantily clad young women riding electric skateboards and unicycles. And there's nothing wrong with them, but these are not the ones on which we should be focusing. Thanks for listening. Bye.